morning, everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome to the news agenda of Greenfleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist and associate editor, Kevin McGuire. Morning, Kev. Morning, Foxy. How are you doing? All right? I'm all right. You've got a blue tick on Twitter. I haven't got a blue tick on Twitter. I didn't pay for it. If I've still got it, uh, the Mirror have paid for it. You should ask for a parity of treatment. I absolutely am going to. I've only been working there 20 years. It's like I don't... A mere two decades. A mere two decades. Why would they notice me? Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to wait either for me to get a blue tick or for the sunlit uplands that Jeremy Hunt will be promising you later today uh, have definitely appeared at last. Um, now, if you've got five minutes today and we haven't managed to talk about it on the news agenda, morning, Rachel. I'm glad that you love this show. How nice of you to say so. Um, if you've got five minutes, can I suggest you go and search out my um, Twitter or social media and you'll find a story on there about Johnny Mercer, the Veterans Minister, yesterday in Parliament declaring there is no cover up at the MOD, which is a marvellous video. And it's worth watching just as a little bookmark it, right, for, for the public inquiry. Just bookmark it for later. Um, now, what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on the tragic news that four teenage friends who disappeared on a camping trip to Snowdonia have been found dead in their partially submerged car after bad weather hit rails at weekend. Uh, investigations are now beginning into how the car left the road and why it wasn't spotted any sooner. Now, in what is hopefully happier news, it's been announced that Hamas is close to reaching a deal with Israel over some of the hostages it took after the October 7th massacre, and that as many as 50 could be released in a swap for convicted terrorist prisoners. Now, Kevin, can you take us through this a bit? Well, what exactly is on the table here? Do we know? Uh, well, we think we do, and it's really been brokered through Qatar with American backing. Qatar uh, pays a uh, host to the... Uh, the political leadership of uh, Hamas and has been involved before in uh, hostage exchanges. It looks like, and hopefully, that Netanyahu, the, the prime minister who put uh, obliterating Hamas first, not rescuing and saving the hostages, uh, has been under enormous pressure internally in, in Israel to try and get the hostages home from the families who've been marching and demonstrating and making heartbreaking pleas. Under this deal, it looks as if there will be a four-day, call it a pause, a truce, a ceasefire, whatever you like, but a four-day pause or lull in the fighting for 50 of the 200-plus Israeli hostages to be released, women and children, and in return going the other way will be 150 Palestinians in Israeli jails, women and children, who Palestinians in general, not just Hamas, uh, describe as hostages uh, too, uh, they, they will be swapped humanitarian aid will go in and then if hamas and islamic jihad who holds some of the uh, some of the hostages to a, a group which is worse in in many ways than uh, than hamas if they release prisoners at the the rate of 10 a day the, the pause lull ceasefire truce and call it whatever you like will continue this is an amazing uh, glimmer of uh, of hope after the terrible events uh, from october the 7th onwards i know history didn't begin then as a whole uh, long uh, argument to be had about occupation and occupiers but nevertheless it is a glimmer of hope finally problem for netanyahu is he could have possibly have suggested have had this deal a lot earlier before the invasion but didn't didn't go for it he's gone for it now because he's under enormous pressure Biden uh, is incredibly pleased because the U.S. has, has played a, a role in it. And 
Netanyahu, of course, the Israeli position was they were going to destroy Hamas. They're now negotiating with it, yeah. accepting it is there. And who are these prisoners? Because I was understood that they were, you know, Hamas terrorists. Like the current leader of Hamas, who's been leading this conflict, Sinwar, um, who's in the Gaza Strip apparently, and who's being hunted by the Israeli Defence Force. He was an Israeli prisoner. Uh, and learnt Hebrew while he was in jail, studied his enemy up close kind of thing, and was released in a prisoner swap a few years ago, and has now yeah. got to lead this conflict. So are the ones who they're talking about releasing, are they like him? They were terrorists, or are they just Palestinians who've been swept up somehow? Well, well we don't know, we don't know the names, uh, uh, so we don't we don't know all the details. But they're women and women and children. I, look, I've, I've visited uh, Israel and Palestine uh, a number of times, and there are Israeli human rights groups which uh, are very concerned about some of the people who are arrested and jailed. Sometimes it's a you know they're they're resisting the bulldozing of a house, they're throwing stones, uh, rocks, um, and then they're being they're being arrested. So they may, because they're women and children, I would suggest. Given the nature of uh, Hamas, they are—they are not—they're—they're uh, you know, they're not fighters or terrorists, whichever you would want to. Uh, you would yeah, want to Hamas, Hamas isn't really one for equal rights, are they? Exactly. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think you—you you know, a a female version of you in in Palestine with very different views would. I would have. A I would have a very short life expectancy, I suspect. Could you just lower your volume very slightly, Kev? Because I don't know if you've got glue here, but um, it's uh, it's feeding back a little bit. And our viewers is it? Uh, how's that? Is that better? That's a bit better. Thank you very much. Um, Unfortunately, now... people can hear me now, can they? <laughs> <laughs> now, all this stuff about the, the prisons being released and so on, some of that's come from Hamas. All those who tore down posters that were put up at bus stops saying, oh, they, there was no evidence Hamas ever took any any prisoners whatsoever. They took no hostages. You now need to shut up, all right? Yeah. NASA just said they're going to release some hostages. So can it, you idiots. It's also come, of course, from the Biden administration, from the Qataris, as, as Kevin said. But what's interesting is, is Netanyahu hasn't really been quite so warm about it. When he's been asked about this potential deal, he says, look, the war, we started, you know, we're, we're continuing a war. We've had a war started against us. We are going to keep on fighting that war. It's continuing. And it does. It seems likely if, if there is a truce for a hostage swap, that obviously that ground offensive will continue afterwards. Obviously, at some point, Hamas, if they're releasing 10 hostages a day, are going to run out of hostages, aren't they, unless they start taking some more. And as they get down to fewer and fewer, they're going to they're going to be yeah. less more reluctant to release them because they know yeah. the conflict is going to restart. Yeah, um, there's also there's also uh, Foxy this question of do Hamas know exactly how many hostages they have, how many are still alive, how many might they have killed, how many might have died from from injuries, lack of medical treatment, because there must be an awful trauma being underground. I assume they're underground since October the seventh, and then how many may have been inadvertently killed by by Israeli forces, and then you know, they'll have been spread around, so they may not be a central list. Uh, an Islamic jihad. Wholesome, which I can't, you know, Hamas does not have control over Islamic jihad. So this could go on for some time, but you're quite right. Um, they will, if the hostages who should never have been seized in the first place are all released who are alive, um, they will run out of hostages uh, at the end. But will the pressure just grow now from around the world for no resumption for the heavy military action that uh, 
has claimed what 14,000 Palestinian lives, according to the uh, mm. the, the authority in uh, in Gaza, which of course is Hamas controlled. But nevertheless, names are released when those figures are published on the on the dead, and all the humanitarian organisations and journalists working in Gaza. Uh, yeah, also say that huge numbers of people are being killed. There will be enormous pressure. You know, having a war against Hamas is one thing; killing thousands of uh, Palestinians is another. No, that's that's like a collective punishment, isn't it? And it's yeah. obviously very sticky. Kevin says, "Do you think there's any hope for everyone waiting on their loved ones coming back to them?" We've got the, I mean, the one that's closest to home for me that I always I have almost turned the television off when it happens is little Emily Hand, who's an Irish Israeli got dual nationality her mum died a few years ago um she was staying on a kibbutz her dad was told that she had died in the attack was later told she's alive she is being kept a uh, hostage apparently by her mass she's about seven or eight years old about the same age as my daughter no parents look after her no family member there to look and she's just she's either with islamic jihad or her mass which just <laughs> can't even think about how that must feel um do you do you think that you know there's going to be and there's obviously going to be quite a few people when they when they release these hostages who are going to be very disappointed and find that theirs isn't among them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the, the taking of hostages like this is a clear breach of international law and war crime, utterly, utterly immoral and vile. But there will be families hoping beyond hope they're going to see their loved ones. And, and you know, if, if there's 240 hostages, which is the figure that seems to, you know, be the most used well if 50 are released we just do the do the maths you know mm. that's another what, 190 or so who aren't so if they're only releasing uh, women and children then anyone who's got a, a relative of a male hostage will not expect them to be released but then not everybody hoping to see a child or uh, a, a woman is uh, sadly going to see a child or a woman no, that's before, that's before we consider the condition they will be in, what might have happened, and you know, how they were treated. Exactly. I mean, all, the whole reason for this conflict in the first place is raging anti-Semitism and the, the refusal to live next door to a Jewish person. And if you regard one particular group of people as less than human, if you... Yeah, are yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's this... Yeah, in, in this conflict, there's a serious serious problem with the poison of anti-semitism and also islamophobia it's just uh, absolutely horrific uh, very quickly before we move on now there were some suggestions today on the bbc that <clears throat> um that there, there was a deal like this close before the ground invasion but uh the israelis went ahead with the ground invasion anyway um yeah. you know where does netanyahu go next with this because he kind of he needs a war politically for his this far-right coalition that he's leading which saw demonstrations on the streets in israel even before any of this kicked off um he wasn't terribly popular within israel then war is seen as necessary in the in the public surveys but they do they have been demonstrating uh, about these hostages and the fact that he has not tried to get those back some appear to be killed in the airstrikes i mean he needs a war but can you see him lasting all the way through it if there has to be a, if there is a conflict no 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 he's a, he's a victim of what happened on uh, october, october the 17th but a primary responsibility lies with Hamas and Islamic Jihad, those who went over and killed, we now believe, 1,200 uh, Israelis, took the hostages. But nevertheless, his whole policy of of arguing you could contain uh, violence, manage the problem, not have a peace process, not go for two states, that, that's gone. And it's, it's what he'll be now remembered uh, remembered for in history. Um, but no, he's, he's 
but he's he, he's struggling to stay in position. You know, there's calls in Israel regularly from other politicians for him to to go, for him to resign. Yeah. He, I think you you look at him now, and I think you just you just know it's happened. It's happened on his watch. This really the the, the, the biggest massacre of, uh, of of Jews since the Holocaust on no, on his massive, watch in Israel. Massive security failure, of course, which is always yeah. that was how he he, he got into power to say he was going to keep Israel safe, and has not been able to do it. And yeah. Dennis says, is there any chance the US and UK can do a deal to allow Hamas to go to Iran and have all the hostages released? Um, you don't want to concentrate all the bad people in one place, Dennis. I mean, yes, but also no. Uh, there's there's reasons for and against. I'm not sure that the UK currently has an awful lot of clout on the world stage. As much Look, as we, you know, you know, Hamas, or, you know, they're, they're Palestinians. They're they're at home. Uh, they don't want to go to Iran. They want they want to be at home. Of course, they want to expand their home, and they don't recognise the state of uh, Israel. Um, but the, you know, the, the the other point is. Let's not let's not pretend that the UK has much clout in this. You can you can take a position for or against um, you know, the Israeli action now, the military action. You take a position for or against the hostage deal, but we have we have very little clout uh, yeah. in this. The US does. That's partly because uh, the the US sustains Israel military militarily, also also Egypt, which controls the Rafa. Rafa border, it has it has clout, but the but the UK hasn't. Yeah, Saudi's been talking about a two state solution, but you know, if you if you get that, you have the same situation. You got anti Semites on one side of a wall and Islamophobes on the other side of a wall, and they're still at loggerheads. I mean, it's never going to be like Northern Ireland is today. No, no, look, look, I'm I'm one of these people who's always always hopeful. You know, people could never see an end to the to the conflict in Northern Ireland. Then there was a deal. I, I, like you, grew up with apartheid, white supremacy, in South Africa, and then that was effectively overthrown relatively peacefully at the end. Uh, grew up with the Cold War, with the Berlin Wall. Everyone mm. thought it was going to be there forever. It it wasn't. But the Israeli ambassador to London said uh, a two-state deal wasn't possible because of Hamas and what happened on October the 7th. The truth is the Israeli government has shown no interest in in, in a deal and Netanyahu set himself against it. Um, East Jerusalem is effectively annexed as more than half, half a million Israeli settlers, colonialists in, in the West Bank. Uh, Gaza was still considered to be occupied because it, it was uh, its borders were con controlled by Israel and again uh, Egypt uh, in the south. It's, I've always wanted a two-state deal, uh, but I'm afraid it doesn't really look as if it's on the uh, on the cards anytime soon. I think a lot of it's to do with the leadership on all sides seems to be letting down their people. Maybe the people will overthrow everybody else and um, mm. they express some wish for peace, which would be nice. Anyway, let's move on to the main story of the day here in the UK. And that is later on the autumn statement from Chancellor Jeremy Hunt. Now, lots of kites have been flown saying what tax cuts uh, there'll be. And it looks like probably national insurance will take a bit of a slash now. But just a month ago, Kevin, he was saying the situation wasn't right and tax cuts would be inflationary. So what's changed? Yeah, what's changed is the uh, the polls haven't changed. This truth hasn't changed. They've got very desperate. Now, in, in one way, his tax receipts are, 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 uh, are, are soaring. 
because inflation has, has gone up, wages have followed inflation to some extent. So people are people are earning more, so they're paying more tax. Um, and so he's got then he's got you know, compared to past uh, past uh, forecasts, he's got some fiscal headroom as they call it in that terrible phrase. But the truth is, if national insurance is it appears to be trailed, cut by by one percent for the employed and the uh, self-employed, that's probably about five uh, billion pounds to be shared between 28 million people pensioners don't pay it so they benefit from, from an income tax cut but they don't benefit from a national insurance yeah. cut but that five billion pound that is around half of the extra tax he will take this year because the thresholds the point when you start paying income tax twelve and a half thousand pounds a year uh, stage you go from paying 20p per pound to 40p per pound around 50,000 pounds they're frozen and so mm. people are, are earning more because wages have followed inflation up to a point so they're paying extra tax so he's only he's only given back a tiny bit of what he's taking in in stealth taxes so i mean it as trailed it looks like he's going to emphasize the conning conservative well, this is the thing that one of the things you're going to hear a lot of talk about today is fiscal drag. Right. And that's what Kevin has been talking about. So if you don't change the the barriers at which you go up to stage, pay more tax, or you start paying tax, if you don't change that. Then more and more people get dragged into it over time. Yeah. Although you can say we haven't raised taxes, actually, more people are paying more taxes. So it's, it's a way of kind of raising taxes about admitting you're doing it. And that's yeah. one of the big things that's happened sort of under conservative rule, really. So I think it started under George Osborne. And they, they reckon it's making about 50 billion a year now. Uh, and that's kind of right. They can't afford to give back, frankly. Although raising a few thresholds would be very popular, I would have thought. Now, he's going to talk about prosperity. He's going to say we've turned a corner and the economy is growing. We've been through this big shock and we're on our way out. But what most of us can see, and I'm not just talking about journalists, I'm talking about anyone that you talk to anywhere in the, in Britain, is going to say, well, there's absolutely no change. It doesn't feel any better. Yeah. The predictions are that we're, good, we're continuing to stagnate. There's barely any growth. There's certainly no more pounds in pockets. So will a few more pennies, is that going to save him, do you think, in terms of public opinion? Is he Because the political challenge, isn't it, is trying to sell that to people as we're on the up. No one's going to... No one feels like the up. So is it going to work? No, no. I really don't think it will. Uh, two reasons. One is, one is actually public opinion. You know, polls show time after time that people are very concerned about uh, public services, which are you know, in many cases on their on their knees. And there's um, you know fantasy figures next year from the government what money they're going to get they're going to they're going to get they're going to get worse people think that should be the priority but on this question of the cost of cost of living when you've got politicians telling you oh you get things are getting better and you're looking at your purse your wallet you're looking at your bank account and you know the way inflation soared the way wages uh, by and large didn't keep up you've taken a massive hit in your standard of living. So when they're telling you, oh, things are getting better, it just doesn't feel like that because all those big increases in food, they're baked in. Mm. They're just baked in. I mean, inflation is 4.6% now. It was 6.7% pre the previous month. I topped 10% earlier in the year. It's going up 4.6%. It, all it means is it, it, prices are still going up. It's just yeah. not going up as fast as they were before yeah. and all those other increases are not going to be removed so 
I think now I think he's living in a he's living in his own little political world, which is not anywhere near the reality of people who have just taken this massive hit in their living standards. Exactly. It doesn't matter how hard you work, uh, you, you're just being hammered. Yeah, and you, I think food inflation is still really high. It's still about ten percent. Yeah. So actually, if your shop is still going up, and if your you know I say costs of other things are still going up, but just slightly less than they were going up, and they haven't come down to what they were, well then. Yeah. Everyone is actually still more broke. And a lot of the wage growth that is in the system that's been remarked as we're paying, getting more tax because wages have grown. Generally speaking, that's in the city. They're the ones who have had massive bursts of extra pay. Yeah. And, you know, as this yeah, Foxy, the if, if, sector, yeah. If, if the economy's turned a corner, as he says, it's turned a corner and hit a brick wall. You know, the Bank of England is saying next year growth will be effectively economic growth in the economy effectively flatlining. I think the Office for Budget Responsibility, which runs uh, runs the figures from the Treasury from Jeremy Hunt, Chancellor through you know through a computer and everything, will, will downgrade its growth forecast in a in a couple of hours. Uh, debt is around a percentage of the economy around levels last seen in the early nineteen sixties. It's absolutely soared under the Conservatives. I remember when they made a big a big thing about it going up under Labour during the financial collapse. Well, it was a fraction then of what it is now because they failed to grow the economy. It has been years of failure. People will be worse off at the next election than they were at the last election over five, five years. That, that's pretty abysmal. So he says it's turned the corner. He's just he's talking bollocks. <laughs> oh, sorry, are we uh, are you, Yes, I thought this is one of the things that you and I both do, like some of the pay-per-views on telly and stuff, and you really want to use words like that. You're not allowed to, but we can on here. And, uh, you know, I'd have, I'd have said worse than that if I, I didn't think you'd give me a, ye you know, a yellow card or something <laughs> like that. Have, yeah. It does have some rules, but, yeah, there, get, there comes a point where you just you naturally get to the end of a thought and you go, this is the only word that would work. Well done, Kevin. Speak for it's a frustration. I'm, you know, I'm down. I, I, I work in Poland. I'll be going there later on. And you, you just think sometimes, how out of touch can they be with people you, people you know, who are, who are struggling all sorts of you know, walks of life, all different age groups. You know, they, they know the reality, and then they create this fantasy land to try and con yeah. people to get their votes. Well, they don't walk to Parliament, do they? They get driven in. Uh, now, Mike says, Hunt seems to be framing the largest tax burden in history as a tax cut and bribing us yeah. money is taken from us in tax already. Exactly, Mike. Uh, if yeah. you didn't already have a news agenda, Mark, you'd get one for that because you've managed to sum it up pretty succinctly. Uh, even better than just saying bollocks. Um, now, <laughs> we, do need, we do need to get on to some of the, the good news. But first of all, we do. I mean, obviously, he's going to talk about all this stuff. But some of what he's having to do in this autumn statement is to kind of to save Rishi in a way, because the right of his party, the Liz Trusses and the Suella Bravmans, are talking about you must have tax cuts, you must have tax cuts. Um, and the leftist party are going, yes, but how are you going to pay for it? You've got Labour coming up who are promising to be, who are considered in the polls, apparently, to be more fiscally conservative. Yeah astonishingly um so you know what about rishi how is this all going to play out for him because he's he's facing suggestions of a leadership challenge if he doesn't pull this off if he doesn't start to pull around the polling i suspect there's almost nothing they could do in this autumn statement that would change anything in the polls whatsoever no i think they'll put themselves in a headlock here yeah. uh and of course you know, some letters are going on to try and formally from uh, rebel tory mps to try and have a leadership challenge to unseat him. I doubt that'll happen because I think the majority of, of conservative MPs, I, 
it basically in survival mode realize that after having three prime ministers uh last year including liz truss who went for those big tax cuts and crashed the economy and were paying the price in higher interest rates mortgage rates paying more on your credit card everything everything that they realize it would would be madness and they're, it's like uh they're stuck with uh they're stuck with sunak who of course were never elected by tory mps never mind the tory party in the country never mind the country itself at an election but i think they're stuck with him but he's just he's bad and bruising he's got he's got no idea this is it's it's a classic um thrashing around because jacob rees mogg who i don't normally agree with picked up this picked up on this a number of resets and changes of direction he had a the net zero re reset then he had his party conference reset let's uh you know end the old consensus of the last 30 years including the cameron years as well as uh as labor then he had his state opening of parliament king's speech reset and then he had his reshuffle reset which brought back cameron who was being dumped in the earlier reset and now they're going to have a reset saying look where the party of tax cutters when they put taxes up as you as you say highest burden across the economy since what 70 years it's 37 percent. i will i will just say that we sort of get obsessed by this tax burden i think mm. how much tax everybody pays and who pays it is a big issue but there are more successful economies with so-called higher tax burdens um denmark france yeah. germany where they have higher living standards greater disposable income so that level is not you know we shouldn't make it a fetish but nevertheless Nevertheless, if they say they're going to cut taxes, you've got to say, well, hang on, you put them up. How can you justify it? Yeah. And to which, how do you pay for those tax cuts? Because one of the happen things that happen in high, because we are sort of in the middle of the table. They're talking about this high taxes. Yeah. It's still in the middle of the table because we were just not paying enough tax, really, yeah. the kind of state we want. And those countries that do pay a higher amount, a proportion of their wages in tax, get more back for it. And they have a higher standard of living yeah. because they have better welfare states and so on, bigger states. And people who do surveys and so on, they find that those people are happier living there. Denmark's a wonderful place to live. So, um, you know, one of these days I will actually move there. Um, it's one of those things where if you if you are getting something back for your taxes, people are happy with it, really, or happier. Anyway. Yeah. Whereas at the moment we're paying a lot of taxes and all we've got is everything has a pothole. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's ridiculous. Um, now. We need to move on to some good news. So thank you for that, Kevin. What do you think, everybody? Very quickly, we have a wrap up. How do you feel about the um, the optimistic news about a possible Hamas releasing their hostages uh, in Israel in return for a four day truce? This is exactly the kind of thing Keir Starmer was calling for in there. Um, how do you feel that you know he survived, managed, uh, survived through all this? If he does turn out to be right. Um, what about Jeremy Hunt later on? What do you want him to say in his statement? What do you think would make a difference? Is there anything he could offer you in that autumn statement that would actually make you think, you know what, the Tories are okay, we'll vote for them again? Do get into the comments and let us know. We'll have a little roundup at the end. But first off, we have managed to find some good news for you. And here it is. Ah! 
Now, when Nigel Farage went into the I'm a Celebrity jungle, and this may be, I think it's been the second day I've actually mentioned this in good news. It may be the last for reasons that have become obvious. When he went into the I'm a Celebrity jungle, there were people who raised concerns that somehow he would make racism and xenophobia fashionable again, that it was just giving him a platform for his vile opinions. Now, good news for us and bad news for Anton Deck, not only are people switching off in their millions, but according to the body language expert Judy Jones in the paper today, his campmates are turning against him too. She notes in today's paper that he didn't get many hugs after his first book, Bush Tucker Trial, and the public not even nominating him to crawl through bugs and spiders on day two. The appetite for torturing him seems to have dropped off a cliff as well. Kevin, is this proof that once you start crowing about your following on TikTok, you are utterly lost to the mainstream? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Look, TikTok's an important platform. I was looking at an Ofcom report which shows 7% of people say they get their news from it, uh, half of uh, 16 to 24s. But it's Nigel Farage is a bit like dad dancing. And also because, you know, people might watch you on TikTok doesn't mean they like you or approve you. And the fact is, you know, people who are consumers of TikTok use it regularly, they're just scrolling through so much so quickly, it doesn't really make much impact. But man, I watched it the first two nights, uh, Foxy. But last night I couldn't be bothered. I watched uh, an old um, "All Creatures Great and Small" instead. <laughs> I'd rather see some some cows still with their testicles rather than. <laughs> um, is is it because you saw Nigel's bum on the first episode and that was just too much and you couldn't stand turning it on anymore? Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, there's some things you shouldn't see on uh, on, on TV, isn't there? <laughs> but he he knew what he was doing. Um, he wanted to be in the Bush Tucker trials because, and of course, he's got a sick note, which I understand because he did have a plane crash. He's got a sick note uh, exempting him from some job. But he wanted to be in the Bush Tucker trials because it's 25% of the programme. Mm. I mean, that's, that shows you how he's gamed it. Uh, I think the problem with it, all these reality shows now is everybody goes in with a plan. They go down the gym for months beforehand. You know, they're, they're going in, they've got ideas of what they must say and not say. They're not as raw as they used to be. No, I can remember when Katie Price, uh, former Jordan of this parish, uh, went on I'm a Celeb and she got every trial because everybody hated her. And then by the end of it, everybody loved her because they'd sinned so much, Katie Price, you know, <coughs> that was only the route he was trying to follow. Mike says Farage gave the game away last night. He was recorded saying he wants to be nominated for the trials because you get 25% of their time. Yeah. Clearly he wants public opinion to shift. And as it reports in the paper there today from our colleague Mark Jeffries, he's got a little social media team who, um, who made sure he got nominated for a TV award that he should never really have won earlier in the year. And they're going to have the same kind of strategy to get him nominated for trials, get him on air, and then get him to be king of the jungle at the end of the whole thing. And of course, if nobody's watching, it's significantly easier for them to do that. So maybe we're somehow making him king of the jungle by not paying attention. <laughs> I don't understand. You're carrying your guilt already, aren't you, that you didn't watch, you know? <laughs> the thing is, you know, it's old farts like us that, are, you know, that technically watch... Uh, mainstream telly, you don't get youngsters from TikTok suddenly turning on ITV and sitting through the adverts. Doesn't happen, Ant Deck, Deck and Ant, whichever one you are. Sorry, that's a failure. One and a half million up the swanny. Um, thank you very much, Kevin, for taking us through that. Uh, I don't know if we have any um, comments to round up on. I assume not, or our little gremlin would have put them on the screen. 
Thank you, everyone, for taking part. I think we're carrying Jeremy Hunt's autumn statement later on these channels, so come back for that. And I do hope that Kevin's bollocks video will make it onto the Mirror's TikTok channels. So if that's where you get your news, tune in for that too. Till next Monday, everybody. Thanks for taking part. And uh, tatty bye. See you on the other side. Bye-bye. Yeah.